0: The reigning monarch of the Principality of Latveria. Hey there, and welcome to Marvel by the Month. My name is Brian Stratton. And I am Rob Milne. And uh, welcome to uh, this February 1964 episode of Marvel by the Month. And if you are listening to this on the day that it is released, it's also our Devil's Night 2019 episode. Happy Devil's Night! Happy Day Before Halloween, everybody. Rob, what are your Halloween plans? Do you have a costume? Are you going to be going out and doing anything? Are you I, tricking?
1: Are you treating? I am. I am giving treats. That is our. What we try to do is is. It's. I was going to say lure children. We try to get kids <laughs> from our neighborhood. We don't have a lot of kids in the neighborhood, so we we're on like you know the apps to let people know we're giving out candy. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. This year, I'm going to do. Probably one of my I have the the band Ghost. I have some of their supporting bands masks. So I have a nice chrome mask that's sort of a little demon. Yep. Uh, I usually pull it up for the little kids so I don't terrify. them. I was going to
0: say, and you're expecting to lure little kids yeah. to your house
1: with this? <laughs> we have, yeah we we try to make sure everyone knows that you know we're we're doing Halloween, right? Uh, There were a lot of retirees when we moved into our neighborhood, so there's just not a lot of candy going out. How about you? Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of my uh, Halloween will be very kid-focused. I've got uh, my six-year-old son. He's got a big Halloween dance uh, at his school, which uh, apparently we don't call Halloween dance anymore, but that's what it is. Um, I think he's going as a Ghostbuster for the second consecutive year, but he's also got a Spider-Man costume uh, that he might wind up uh, wearing again because... Hey, I mean you can't go wrong with Spidey, and uh, he went to Comic Con in the
1: Ghostbuster. He did uh, go to Comic Con costume too. He right? met
0: the Portland Ghostbusters there um, <laughs> and had an awesome time. So it was like, yeah, his Comic Con experience basically turned into a job fair for him, um, and it was pretty rad. But yeah, uh, but before we can go out and do all of this stuff, we have to do this podcast. So <laughs> um, shall we kick it off? Yeah, let's get okay. going. So uh, every uh, comic we're talking about uh, this week is going to be cover dated February nineteen sixty four which means that um, these hit the stands approximately December 1963. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what was going on in December 1963. So on uh, December 1st, 1963, uh, Malcolm X had a very unfortunate choice of words uh, when referring to President Kennedy's assassination. Uh, He referred to it as America's chickens coming home to roost um three days later he was suspended from the nation of islam for 90 days uh he left the black muslim movement entirely at the end of the suspension he wound up uh going down a a very interesting path uh, that i'm actually pretty interested to be talking about a lot more um, in the coming weeks and months uh in other uh president kennedy news uh on the 5th of december uh, the warren commission began its investigation into president kennedy's assassination Um, at a time when only 29% of Americans thought that Lee Harvey Oswald had acted independently. Um, I think that figure is probably (laughs) approximately still there. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What people believe. Yes. Um, On the same day, uh, December 5th, uh, the FBI issued a report, and they did not concur with the majority of Americans. Uh, When they wrapped up their investigation, um, their report concluded that both Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby had acted alone. So there you go. It was Um, pretty fast. Yeah. Um, And then another uh, uh, update from December 5th, which also gives you kind of a snapshot of where the country was. Woodland Elementary School's principal resigned after it was revealed that the Georgia school's students had cheered when President Kennedy's assassination was announced to them. So, yeah oh, uh, I don't even
1: know how to process that
0: Yeah, um, we, we think of Kennedy as being a phenomenally popular president um, But at the time, in certain parts of the country, that was certainly not the case Like a southern
1: area Yeah um, Yeah, well, in, in better news, I get to do my usual uh, Beatles update uh, So, on the 7th of December, the Beatles appeared on U.S. television sets for the first time And a clip aired on the CBS Evening News Later, right after Christmas, uh, Capitol Records on the this would be on the twenty sixth of December. Capitol Records Boxing Day (laughs) released the the vinyl forty five single of the Beatles "I Want to Hold Your Hand" in the United States. Before the end of January nineteen sixty four, it would be the best selling record in America. Wow. Yep. So this is their their big rise in the states. Yeah, and
0: and this went from like literally they have just gotten their first TV exposure in December. And yeah. then by the end of the next month, they have the biggest selling <laughs> record in the country.
1: Yep. Uh, also, though, on the 26th uh, of of December, we have Metallica's Lars Ulrich was born on the same day. So it wasn't all good news. No. Although he was a hero of mine when <laughs> I was a kid, I should say. Yes. I, I play drums, too. So um, and I like <clears throat> the metals. Well, what
0: is it? You, you you either die the hero or you live long enough to become the villain? Yeah. yeah. And he, he lived <laughs> long enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, in uh, other famous people news, on uh, December 8th, 1963, Frank Sinatra Jr. was kidnapped. Uh, three men entered his hotel room at Harris Lake Tahoe in Line, Nevada at 9.30 p.m. and forced him into a car where he was drugged and driven to Canoga Park, California. His father, um, Frank Sinatra Sr., <laughs> uh, paid a $240,000 ransom for his return. Which in 1964
1: dollars is, I don't even know. It's like two and a half million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. On the 16th, President Lyndon B. Johnson, the new president, uh, signed the first of his great society programs into law. Uh, the Higher Education Facilities Act of 1963 authorized $1.2 billion in loans and grants to colleges and universities for construction and student aid. So that would be just shy of $10 billion today. Once again, the price of comics has risen about three to four times faster than the rate of inflation. Yes. Because they're getting popular. Uh, On the 17th, President Johnson signed the Clean Air Act of 1963 into law, which Mm -hmm. worked out great.
0: Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) so far so good. (laughs) Um, On the uh, 20th of December, um, for the first time since the Berlin Wall went up in 1961, West Berliners were able to apply for single-day passes to visit family in East Berlin for holiday visits. Um, East Germany would not allow its citizens to cross over into West Berlin. Of course. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, So on the 20th, 18 years after the end of World War II, prosecutions finally began for the first 20 members of the German SS who operated the Auschwitz concentration camp.
0: That's crazy that it it takes that long to finally get around to it. Um, uh, On the 23rd of December, uh, Assistant FBI Director William Sullivan and other top FBI officials met in Washington to discuss plans for, quote, neutralizing Martin Luther King Jr. as an effective Negro leader, end quote, mm. by gathering evidence of his extramarital affairs via wiretaps and then leaking the audio to the press.
1: That's one version. You know, there's yeah. conspiracy theories that yeah. say that that was all fabricated. Uh, on Christmas of 63, um, Walt Disney's 18th Feature-length animated film *The Sword in the Stone* was released to theaters.
0: Yep, and that would actually be um, Disney's penultimate um, feature film that he would uh, direct and release. So, um, and then also on, uh, J- on uh, Christmas 1963, uh, Gene Keys became the first American to burn his draft card in protest of the Vietnam War after being ordered to report for induction on January 30th, 1964. So, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. The end of 1963 is a very, very eventful year for America. Yeah. That's what's going on in the country at the time. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we are going to start talking about all these comics uh, that were cover dated February 1964. So don't go
1: anywhere. All right.
0: Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. It's time to start talking about some comics. So, you have probably noticed that uh, since we started doing this podcast, there are a lot more Marvel books uh, per episode now than there were when we started out, um, which makes sense. There was literally one book to talk about <laughs> when we started out, um, and now we're up to uh, six this month. And um, you know, most months uh, that we've been doing this lately, it uh, feels like eight or nine books. So, yeah. um, so we need to come up with a new method for talking about these. Um, and uh i think i think i've come up with a way to manage it um and uh this is rob's first time hearing about it so i hope you're excited by what we're about to do to you i'm
1: very excited anything that is going to make it a little faster for us to get through the coming like 20 you know comics in a week yes (laughs) would be great (laughs) (laughs) all right so what we're gonna do
0: is uh we're gonna pick a few books each episode um to really go deep on later on in the podcast Um, Everything else that came out that month um, We're going to cover in a new segment That we're calling Marvel by the Minute I like it Okay, So here's the idea Uh, We're going to get one minute per issue To hit all the high points Um, When the buzzer rings We move on (laughs) We're only covering six books total Um, Three of them are going to get their own segments Um, So we only have to get through Three uh, Marvel by the Minutes uh, For this week So let's give it a shot Okay. All right. Um, first one is going to be Journey into Mystery One Hundred and One. So go ahead and, and pull that up on your digital browsing device. Boop, boop, beep. I'm going to put sixty seconds on the clock. You can start out. I'll jump in. We're going to see how this works. Okay. Sixty right. Seconds. Sixty
1: seconds. And go. Okay. So we have the return of Zarko, the Tomorrow Man. Zarko, who, the Tomorrow Man. Who would have thought he was going to come back? <laughs> uh, and uh, and he did. Uh, today so um uh but we're we we cut into thor being very angry still about odin not letting him marry jane foster yes um i don't i don't know that they've been on a real date so it's weird that he's just cutting to marrying but whatever um and and we bring in a bunch of guests so uh you get you get to see giant man and the wasp show up iron man Everyone's kind of worried about Thor having a fit because he's ignoring everyone and he trashes the front off a truck.
0: Yes. Uh, And then uh, Loki, uh, up in Asgard, uh, finds the Tomorrow Man in the 23rd century or wherever he lives, uh, restores his memory, which was erased the first time he showed up uh, and sends him out against Thor. Um, And there is a cliffhanger. Um, Thor is abducted by the Tomorrow Man and winds up. Oh, all right. Shall we do uh, Strange Tales, number
1: 117? <laughs> yes.
0: This this is very hard to do. I was like, what about the Tales of Asgard? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, there was a Tales of Asgard. <laughs> Strange Tales, number 117. There's two stories. Return of the Eel, um, starring the Human Torch, and The Many Traps of Baron Mordo, starring Doctor Strange. Are you ready, Rob? I am. All right. 60 seconds on the clock.
1: Uh-huh. Go. Go. Okay. So once again, we have the return of a villain that we did not think we'd ever see again. I mean, I didn't. So the eel is back and he got out of jail, um, very quickly, very, very quickly. Now he's back at the aquarium. He's, uh, committing some crimes, but Johnny sets a trap for him. Uh, a flaming Ruby. He has a little bit of help. Uh, but Johnny gets, uh, gassed, uh, laughing gassed, which is great. Um, and, uh, Kind of hilarious
2: that 's not how laughing gas works
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he cuts off, he cuts him off from his
0: supply of asbestos grease, uh, so the eel can 't uh,
2: withstand the human torch 's flame anymore. Um, Meanwhile in Doctor Strange Yeah He's <laughs> fighting Baron Mordo And Steve Ditko is drawing it And it's kind of beautiful And doesn't make a lot of sense But it makes more sense In that eel story Yeah, yeah it does Absolutely That's a good summary And it's the first time That we see Doctor Strange's Greenwich
0: Village house um, and Yeah And the first time it's mentioned That he lives in Greenwich Village uh, Which was a very hip place to be In New York in the <laughs> 19- oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's so sad Alright One more I'm I'll get better at this.
0: All right. Our final Marvel by the minute this week is going to be Tales to Astonish, number 52, The Black Knight Strikes, um, starring Giant Man and the
1: Wasp. Are you ready, Rob? As ready as I can be. All right. 60 seconds on the clock and go. All right, so we start off with Giant-Man actually just solving like capturing some criminals. No screw-ups for once. Yeah. Uh and uh he he does both Giant-Man and Ant-Man in this comic. He uh puts a criminal away, that criminal goes and decides to become a supervillain known as the Black Knight. Yeah, he develops
0: a strange uh attraction to flying horses and uh, performs all sorts of genetic experiments
2: in order to create one of his very own. Now, Atlas Comics had published Black Knight comics in the 50s, drawn by Joe Manili. Uh It was a medieval kind of, you know, sword and sorcery and Merlin-y kind of thing. And this was another revival of an old concept like the Human Torch, like Captain America, like, in his way, the Angel. Yeah. But now he's just like a flying criminal on a horse.
1: Yeah. With, <laughs> with a, a cool lance that does all kinds of things. True. Uh, and, yeah, it basically he gets... Um, there's some great uh, roller coaster and uh, circus fair uh, activity that happens here. Um, oh, that's my new favorite thing about the podcast. <laughs>
0: I'm going to swear more now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a good start to uh what is going to be a very fun uh segment but uh rob i don't know did you were you hearing another voice in your headphones i i just thought you
1: had like a some like some kind of a weird
2: thing it's in your throat
1: month oh wait it's still happening
0: the the studio's haunted wait no I'm, I'm just gonna follow this mic cable it's like oh that's right we invited uh someone to join us oh the, hey that's where the voice is coming from hey there we go uh Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Marvel by the Month fans, true believers, please welcome uh, to the podcast, Mr. Douglas Walk. Hi. Douglas, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Um, So uh, we first met uh, Douglas uh, at uh, Books with Pictures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shout out to Katie Proctor. I had mentioned to her uh, that we had the idea for doing this podcast, um, and she said, you need to talk to my friend Douglas, (laughs) um, because Douglas has read how many Marvel comics?
2: All of them. Uh, I've read 27,000. Wow. Roughly. Well, a little bit more. I read some that I didn't have to read. But (laughs) uh, I'm in the middle of finishing a book that's going to be coming out in a year or so-ish called All of the Marvels about having read every comic in the Marvel Universe from Fantastic Four onward, or rather from Linda Carter Student Nurse Number 1 onward, 1961 Mm -hmm. to about 2017, 2018. The, The end is a little nebulous, but the biggest story ever told. All 500 600,000 pages, something like that. Wow. That's incredible. Uh how how is it going? It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I finished the reading a while ago. Now mm. I'm just doing the writing, trying to turn it into a thing that will be fun to read mm-hmm. about this giant story as a cultural history of the last 58 or 60 years this giant story is an amazing piece of multi-person storytelling a story so big that not even any of the people telling the story have read the whole thing so of course i had to read the whole thing (laughs) of course (laughs) Uh, cross sections of it ways of looking at it deep dives into particular characters and the particular creators it's going to be a lot of fun that's wild um so uh
0: i i do have to ask though so uh, I assume you're familiar with uh, the non-Marvel comic book character, the Flaming Carrot.
2: Yes. Yeah. And yep.
0: so, uh, for those who don't know, um, he's a absurdist uh, sort of superhero parody by Bob Burden. Uh, it was created in the 1980s. Uh, his secret origin um, is that he read 5,000 comic books and lost his mind um, and became uh, a Flaming Carrot. So, how did you make it through twenty seven thousand and not wind up wearing uh, a giant vegetable mask on your head?
2: <laughs> How do you know I'm not? <laughs> That's true. Secret identity. That's it's a secret. Very true. Very I, true. I take it off for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool I love that.
0: Um, so, in, in the book is called All of the Marvels. That's a does what it says in the box. That's I great. should also
2: mention that for people who are interested in following the Marvel story in a kind of jumping around way that is very much unlike the way that you guys are doing this on this amazing podcast. Mm. I have a Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash Douglas D-O-U-G-L-I-S-W-O-L-K. And that is a private message board where we are discussing one issue a day, and they're usually thematically linked rather than chronologically linked, and the discussions are a heck of a lot of fun, and I encourage you all to join patreon.com slash douglas absolutely yeah. i can
0: vouch for it uh i have been a member for several months now and a lurker on the boards uh, i thoroughly enjoy it um
1: nice i will have to get in on i like this sort of set list these themes you know yeah for what, we've what, what been doing, doing
2: a monsters and horror this month uh, for all different sorts of valences of monsters and horror covering 60 years worth of stuff you know existential horror with the man thing and then (laughs) giant monsters with that amazing seth fisher big in japan story from about 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and uh next month there's going to be some defenders and then some special surprises and it's fun okay yeah i'm i'm convinced yeah i'm already
1: convinced
0: Sweet. yeah it's terrific um and also uh i believe you also curate collections of back issues uh at books with pictures also. i do yeah uh and those are also highly recommended um it's just what alan moore would refer to as a slab of culture um just nice. you know going in and getting a bag of uh comics that
2: contains a complete story um and just fantastically well curated so. And it's all like three bucks an issue. I decided to put together stuff that was, as uh, Katie, the owner, puts it, not high value, but high interest. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. It's a
0: great way <laughs> Approachable. to Approachable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah, I remember, you know, I think like a lot of
0: kids, um, you know, I got my start collecting comics uh, at my local comic book store, uh, rating what was then the dime box, which later became the quarter box. And I would just, you know, get stacks of you know if i saw a a run of 10 issues or so at a time and i had a buck in my pocket i would just pick that up and um and it was great but you know at the same time it wasn't necessarily a curated collection of things nor was it necessarily very good but you know <laughs> yeah. i
1: was 11 years old and what did i care so um, i was lucky enough to have my dad collecting oh, yes. so we, so we mm-hmm. he had a box you know we we would just sort of pile on what we got interested in my brother and i so um we started very young and we got you know uh i i i had another little thing i th- don't think i have mentioned but my my stepmother worked at a comic distributor oh in the late 80s and early 90s so we got boxes of the damaged the coverless comics so nice. just anything we were exposed to so uh i i read voraciously at that point yeah. i wish i could read that much now
0: i know i wish i had the time <laughs> um douglas how did you get into to comics it, it, was it marvel first was it
2: no it was uh, it was green lantern first oh, and then the flash and then superman and then i think the first marvel issue i picked up was x-men 138 oh, oh okay which is the recap issue it was very useful to me absolutely yeah, that's yeah. great and then i fell nose first into it and then within a year and a half i was working in the comic book store to feed my habit and it was all down there, <laughs>
1: there. you both have done that yes yeah. fine
2: yep. and noble job yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, well, uh, Douglas, if you got nothing better to do uh, this evening, you want to hang out while we take a break and then uh, start talking comics? Yes, please. All right, cool. Well, uh, stay tuned, everyone. We will be right back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. The first issue that we're going to take our deep dive on is Fantastic Four number 23, The Master Plan of Dr. Doom, which was written by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby, and inked by George Bell. So, to give you the uh, 50,000 foot view of this one, um, Dr. Doom recruits three lackeys to form a team capable of defeating the Fantastic Four once and for all. Will he succeed?
1: Nah. so far he hasn't had the best run it's everything is part of doom's plan <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's how doom would state it exactly um yeah we the, i i like i really like the way this one opens yeah, so me it's too. uh the first page is just a baby dinosaur getting loose in, <laughs> in sort of this the normal living suite and reed is very upset so uh uh Reed's been mucking around with Dr. Doom's time machine. So that's how he's released this baby dinosaur and the FF gets it back onto the time machine's platform w- uh, with a lot of Sue's help again. Uh but now Reed is cranky at his partners for not keeping an eye on things while he stepped away and he's a real big jerk. He uh he's I This is almost, not new. This I is mean, not new behavior. He's been kind of a jerk, but he's just solid like he he's this is the most jerky I've seen him yeah. you know um, this time sustained yeah
0: like uh, with, in, in case it slipped your alleged minds the work we do here means something
1: yeah and it's like he I mean he was pretty jerky when the hate monger had hit him with the H-ray but now he's a uh, very jerky so yeah. um, this leads to the FF deciding to hold a vote for who should be the new team leader Uh, But they all wind up voting for themselves, which doesn't solve anything (laughs) and also sort of proves Reed's point. Yeah. So Reed reveals that he's stressed out because Dr. Doom is on the loose again, and he knows Doom won't stop until he's destroyed the Fantastic Four. So that's why he's being so cranky. Speaking
0: of Doom, um, he's been busy. He's always busy. He's always got something going on. Um, He has been using a human looking robot to scout a nearby courthouse. Um, And he's looking for lackeys. Um, When he finds uh, some good candidates, he bails them out uh, and then brings them back to his secret lair. There's three uh, folks in particular who he recruits. Uh, The first is named Bull Brogan. Um, He beat up, quote, six husky longshoremen uh, (laughs) who wouldn't join his protection racket. Um, And then we have handsome Harry Phillips, who's a con man with movie star good looks. And Yogi Dakor. A fireproof man from the local circus. And of course, since he's from the circus and this is a uh, Stan Lee comic from the 60s, you know that that automatically means he's a bad guy because all circus performers are in Marvel
1: Comics. <laughs> also, it's worth saying that Doom's, the Doombot in this case, is a very weird, like uh, bald headed man with sunglasses. Like he's conspicuous as all get out. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, he made this human-like robot <laughs> and then made it just really weird-looking.
0: Yeah, it, it it like has no expression whatsoever. Yeah, it, it's just kind of this fleshy blob.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the the trick here is that Doom takes these new lackeys and augments their their natural abilities and sends them out to defeat the Fantastic Four individually. So. Yogi Decor gives the human torch a million dollar car from a visiting maharaja and then gasses him. Uh <laughs> and torch
0: tries to bust out of the car by turning up his flame but of course since the yogi uh is a fireproof man uh it has no effect on him.
1: Yeah. And and Bull Brogan ambushes the thing on Yancy Street and uses a cosmic beam gun to change him back into Ben Grimm which uh which I thought for a second was going to be you know, permanent, but it was, he mentions that it's only a, a, a short period of time. Right. Uh,
2: and he kind of turns back into Ben pretty much every issue at this period. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even tragic anymore. Yeah, like no. it used to
1: be tragic the first few times. Yeah. And then it's just like, yep, he's going to be the Rocky guy. It's like, again. well, it's lunchtime. Time for me to turn human again. <laughs> yeah. No tears are shed. Um, after a squabble with Reed, Sue lets herself be taken in by handsome Harry, whose hearing has been in, prove so that he can find her even while She's invisible
0: and he gasses Her as well
1: yeah which is weirder A lot of gassing yeah Yeah. Um, Doom lures Reed into a trap With a robot thing And seals him in a transparent cube Which he can make A a full robot powerful robot Thing (laughs) he makes that weird Fleshy bald guy
0: yeah and yet He's going out and recruiting like third Rate thugs um, Despite the
1: fact that he could just make robots he can also Make the thing just be a guy yeah. exactly something reed hasn't been able to master weird yeah. um so can i can
2: i just point out something about this story oh please this story makes no sense <laughs> yeah, it, it, no sense at all
1: yeah this is like a larry lieber ant-man story at this point yeah <laughs> it's
2: like it's clearly kirby plotting it and then lee trying to make some sense of what happens in the pictures yeah mm-hmm. and I can't come up with an alternative explanation for any, especially like the last couple of pages of the story with the, the, the solar wave oh, that, that can, can transport things. Such a right turn. Space. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: what, what? It, yeah. It, what? Well, uh, let's just let's cut to the chase on that one because yeah, yeah, that it's, is it's... where everything gets crazy. So, yeah. um, you know, so basically, uh, you know, long story short, the FF uh, they wind up breaking out of their bonds because they rediscover the power of, you know, teamwork and right. love. Um, and uh then it, but here's Doom's master plan referred hmm. to in the title of the story. Uh it's it's scientifically implausible at best. <laughs> <laughs> so, he has coded the room that they're in with ionic dust particles that attract a passing solar wave which somehow transports anything it touches into outer space. Um, so, like, <laughs> chunks of the room are just vanishing. No, no, say, say, and, that again. Yeah. say that again. Yeah. Ionic dust particles attract a passing solar wave
1: which transports anything it touches into outer space. Keep in mind, Doctor Who premiered last month. Uh, this, this does feel like something where someone would say, like, but what does that mean? And he's like, we don't have time to talk about it now. You right, know? right. Uh, uh, it's it's so absurd i love i kind of i did it stuck with me how absurd this is
0: oh yeah. yeah but it is an excuse and i think this goes to douglas's point it's an excuse for kirby to draw some really beautiful weird um you know panels
1: like of rooms melting away into space yeah and just and, showing yeah. this like
0: cosmic void beyond them um it's it's almost a little ditko-y um in the kinda way it is yeah, yeah in the way that uh, it kind of manifests itself Um, But one of the things I like about it Is that Sue actually winds up saving the team Mm -hmm. Um, So Doom uh, Hightails it through a hatch in the wall um, But Sue Pins him in place on the other side of the wall With her force field um, Forcing Doom to come back in And reopen the hatch Or he's going to wind up being disintegrated By the solar wave Because he's too close to the ionic dust particles
1: Everybody knows how this works You know what,
0: now we say it the third time (laughs) It totally makes sense No it doesn't (laughs) Nope um, yeah, so, uh, so Ben pulls Doom back into the room and kind of sort of causes him to fall into the void beyond. <laughs> so,
2: you know where he falls into though? The microverse. Oh.
1: oh. He's been there before. Yeah. He did there. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, he uh, took over.
0: Uh, he, he gets, sh- he shrunk and shrunk and shrunk.
1: Right. Yeah. And then he hatched a plan from the microverse to lure them there. Right. And then they had to
0: call Ant-Man in, who did
1: nothing. Yep, yeah. as usual. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, uh, Ant-Man.
0: Yeah, so good. Uh, but anyway, so uh, so Doom uh, disappears into the void. Uh, Reed tells everyone to escape through the hatch in the wall because he's a genius, and no one but a genius would think, hey, go through the hole in the wall before the room disappears, mm-hmm. uh, which causes everyone on the team to decide that maybe he's not the worst choice for team leader after all. Um, and our, our quirky quartet is... Uh, back in the saddle once again yeah
1: reed still gets my vote i mean he even when he's cranky he's gonna have a better plan everybody knows most likely
0: yeah so that's it yeah um this is definitely the weirdest
1: dr doom story that we have read so far and that's saying something (laughs) yeah i think (laughs) douglas's point is correct it was just kirby drawing (laughs) and lee trying to figure out what to write
0: Okay, so um, let's go ahead uh, and take another break. When we come back, um, we're going to introduce you to a a new major Marvel villain in Tales of Suspense number 50, so don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. We're going to talk about Tales of Suspense number 50 uh, starring Iron Man. Uh, This story is called The Hands of the Mandarin, written by Stan Lee, with art by Don Heck. Uh, And this is the first appearance of Iron Man's archenemy, the Mandarin, and his ten rings of power. And uh, Douglas, during the break, you were mentioning something interesting about the version of this that we're reading on the Marvel Unlimited app.
2: Yeah, the version that is now in circulation of Tales of Suspense number 50 is not quite the original one, because the proofs for the original version were lost at some point. So in the early nineteen nineties, Don Heck re inked the original story from photostats of the origin of the original comic, uh, using the tools that he was able to find that he would have used in the early 1960s trying to ink in that style and trying to imitate his original line as closely as possible Wow! and it looks really really similar I've compared it with a scan of the original version Uh and he pretty much gets it except for a couple places where in the original he was doing like very fast loose kind of casual brush strokes Mm -hmm. that you can't casually reproduce casual brush strokes (laughs) Uh, but it looks very 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 similar to the original version it just almost is there's a lot of the early 60s stuff that there were not extant copies of and so it had to Mm -hmm. be reconstructed at some point when you get to Amazing Spider-Man I think number 29 Mm -hmm. that issue uh, there was never a reprint of it until the mid 80s because there wasn't anything to duplicate it from and so that part had to be reconstructed too wow yeah i never i didn't
1: i mean of course i didn't really think about this because uh, mm-hmm. it's all just magic yeah uh but uh <laughs> yeah the 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 fact that there are any you know proofs from this time and the fact that don heck 30 years later can come back and almost exactly ink his work yeah. is a- amazing uh you know his his talent is
2: beyond reproach oh yeah yeah don heck was pretty much retired at that point too i think he only did one more marvel story at that point and it was uh like uh a warriors three and thor story that bill mantlow wrote that ended up in marvel superheroes and it's a really really beautiful adaptation of what is actually a traditional mythological story yeah um, great swan song for him but there's an interview with don heck in marvel age magazine where he talks about re-inking the story and they say is there anything that you would have done differently if you could do it now and he's uh-huh. like oh god so much but you know most of all that skull cap on the mandarin (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: yeah it's uh it's it's not a great look but he didn't keep it for
2: that much longer so right (laughs) there's so many things that are so problematic about this story yeah
0: yeah um let's go ahead and start talking about the story and point them out as we go (laughs) yay So uh, the story opens in Red China, where four high-ranking officers of the Communist Chinese army seek an audience with the Mandarin in his castle. Um, So we get uh, two things are made very clear at this point. Um, These guys are terrified of the Mandarin, and the Mandarin has crazy technology at his disposal. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, in some of the more problematic elements, um, these guys are contemporary asian villain caricatures um you know the way that they're drawn Uh, and there's yet again we have uh at one point um the mandarin's uh manservant um is speaking in that sort of um like pigeon english just excessively deferential tone that was common at the time and has not aged
2: super well Mm -mm. since
1: then and uh mandarin of course refuses their request to share his atomic knowledge so uh as well as the secret of his 10 power rings. And so that's the that's the cool part of the Mandarin. He's got a ring
2: on every finger and a thumb, and they all do something different. Yes. Now, that atomic knowledge is a big deal. This was before China had tested its atomic bomb, as I recall. Right. Mm-hmm. That was not till I think, 1965. Yeah, right. It was what everybody in the U.S. was scared of. <laughs> right. And so this is a story that is about that fear. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's why... Um, the scene cuts to um, uh, Iron Man at the Pentagon Um, and the U.S. uh, military brass asks him to uh, go to China and gather information about this Mandarin uh, who Iron Man has never heard of. Um, So he's a total mystery to him at this point. But like you just said, Douglas, uh, they are terrified that China is close to getting the bomb and uh, they want to find out what the Mandarin knows and how they could possibly stop him. Um, So... uh, as Tony Stark, he cancels an appearance At an employee's, uh, employee's dinner um, For Stark International um, And uh, One of the employees gets a little chippy about it And Happy Hogan decides <laughs> To deal with it by punching him in the face <laughs> Happy doesn't
1: Handle things very diplomatically
0: Not at all No um, Stark suits up uh, as Iron Man um, And uh, hitches a ride to China um, on a military Plane um, He Drops himself into enemy territory, fights his way through some Chinese soldiers on his way to Mandarin's castle. Um, and as he does so, he realizes that his new armor has a short circuit in it that is draining his reserve power.
1: <laughs> Which is another example of of how there always seems to be something wrong with Iron Man's armor. Uh, that it keeps, keeps it from performing as designed. It's like it's like it's kryptonite. Yeah. 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 He just didn't solder that well I don't, so whatever yeah
0: i don't think we've seen a single iron man story so far where iron man's armor holds up and performs as expected
2: right um so cutting edge tech is always glitchy <laughs> true true i mean if you want to talk about iron man as being a series about the military industrial complex which yep. it is from the get-go mm-hmm. then look at who is doing the surveillance in the story look as, look at who is looking at whom the Mandarin is watching stuff on video screens. This is 1964. There's not a lot of closed-circuit video screens around anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, quote, Red China yeah. has them. Yeah. yeah. That's terrifying. Yes. Yep.
1: So Iron Man, he ends up having to go straight after the Mandarin. He bypasses a couple of traps set by the Mandarin and comes face-to-face with him. Uh, the Mandarin uses the variety of powers in his Ten Rings to counter Iron Man's attack and capture him and then he attacks him with karate
2: yeah and (laughs) that has to be a Stanley sees the artwork Don Heck has turned in and is like oh my god what do I do with this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and comes up with the most ludicrous solution, which is that just as the Mandarin is about to attack Tony, Tony flips open his arm panel, finds a slide rule inside it, mm-hmm. uses the slide rule to calculate the angle of attack and the angle he's going to have to block it with. <laughs> like, hold up, hold up, don't punch me yet. I got a slide rule. <laughs> I've got no. I've got a slide rule. Time out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but it works in comics mm-hmm. <laughs> in comics yep years and years and years later around 2009 there was a miniseries called iron man enter the mandarin and the first issue was a reworking of this story it oh. leaves out the slide rule scene oh All really weird. it sort of selectively <laughs> takes bits of it and adds bits to it to make it more convincingly dramatic <laughs> but there's something kind of amazing about the like good old american know-how of the slide rule inside the wrist panel of yeah arm, i can't even go on yeah oh. it's
1: like it is tantamount to like an abacus like i mean yeah. it's just such a weird <laughs> thing to have in there to begin with but right the fact it it does show us that tony stark is he can do some math yeah yeah i you know, can work this out well but and this yeah. is
0: also the time when an actual calculator would have taken up like an entire floor in an office building right. so yeah <laughs> It's like, we can have video screens, we can have flying suits of armor, but a calculator on a wrist, like, ludicrous. Do do people under 45 even know what a slide rule is? Oh, I don't think so. We're going to need to put this in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. It's probably some math historians. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so um, thanks to his his top of the line uh, slide rule, um, Iron Man manages to... Uh, block the mandarins, chop, and the counter is so effective that the mandarin collapses in a heap. Iron Man runs out of the castle, um, catches his plane ride home, and uh, he makes it back in time to go to the employee party.
1: Making everyone at Stark Industries very happy. Yeah, except for Happy Hogan, ironically. Oh, yeah, yeah. because happy was Pepper's date.
0: Yeah. Uh he, he was uh, the the runner-up um, in the Pepper Pot sweepstakes this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pepper really doesn't seem to have much interest in him, period. She's flirting with other guys there to make him jealous. Um, and then Tony shows up, and of course, this is what she was hoping for. Um, and so all
2: of a sudden, no one else in the room exists except for Tony Stark. Have you all talked about who Pepper Potts is modeled on No, No. Uh, Heck drew her to look like Ann B. Davis. Really? Oh. Later of the Brady Bunch, but at that yeah. point of other TV sitcoms and, you know redheaded freckled kind of like fashion queen wow yeah
1: i can i can kind of see that now that i see it it in that scene yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. what um what was don's pre-marvel superhero work did he do
0: a
2: lot of the fashion comics was he an illustrator for those he did not do so much of that he did horror comics oh he did a series called horrific Mm -hmm. where the cover of every issue is just some sort of like Horrible screaming face. It is a horrible screaming face in some condition or other. Sometimes it's a decapitated head. Sometimes it's some other kind of like horribly mutilated head. But it's always somebody's screaming face. Wow. Uh, he did secret agent comics. He really had a facility for adventure comics and sci-fi stuff. Not so much for the superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. But he really knew how to make a story flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm with the Don Heck Appreciation Society. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he really nailed the the origin for Iron Man though. When we yeah. when we saw that, it is so graphically done and yeah. so well. Um, yeah. It is. Uh, that that made us both big fans of Don Heck.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's the first appearance of the Mandarin. Um, and then um, is there anything else in this?
1: Yeah, there's that Tales of the Watcher. That's
0: right. So we have a a Tales of the Watcher. So this is a second issue where. Uh, the Watcher has sort of, you know, pulled a Crypt Keeper and he uh, introduces uh, a sci-fi story, um, which scripted is scripted in. In and with art by Larry Lieber. Yep. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> once again, um, using uh, a Marvel character for, you know, what is not really a Marvel story, um, but it uh, gets a little bit more superhero-y presence into the book.
1: I do have one thing that this thing, I, I'm obsessed with Happy's Cauliflower Ears. Oh, he, yeah. he has these yeah. boxer ears that yeah. are, They look like a catcher's mitt yep. yeah. <laughs> they, they are so puffy And weird that I get super distracted <laughs> When I'm reading <laughs> Iron Man comics
0: uh, Alright so that's your uh, your Monthly dose of Iron Man um, We'll take one more break um, When we come back We're going to uh, talk a little Amazing Spider-Man And meet the man called Electro to marvel by the month uh we got one more comic to talk about and i think we may have saved the best for last um this is amazing spider-man number nine the story is called the man called electro it's written by stan lee with art by steve ditko um spider-man in this story meets a new enemy the electrically
1: charged supervillain known as electro yeah the story opens with spider-man making a mad dash across the city, not even stopping to fight crime. Uh, luckily the people th- that are committing a crime think he's coming at them and give up. They throw their guns to the cops. That's <laughs> I love awesome. That bit. <laughs> uh, but he's just on his way. And why? Because aunt may is a, is very sick and Peter needed to fill her prescription as fast as possible. Yeah. Like, and- so,
0: you know, once again, you know, frail aunt may um, uh, is, is coming into the story and, and, you know, Peter. Uh, he sits at May's bedside um, as she uh, slips into sleep, um, and then we cut to Electro, uh, who's putting on his costume and charging himself up between two electrical pylons. Um, and I just want to say, Electro's original costume um, is one of my favorite um, supervillain costumes of all time. It it should not work on any level. Uh, I mean, like <laughs> it's 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 yellow on green. He's wearing a five-pointed there's seven-pointed lightning bolt on his face um it just it it looks it should look so silly but it totally it It somehow
1: looks it 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 reminds me of the camp of like the batman television show but um but it's it's sold so well like i agree it it is i look at it and i my brother and i used to make this mask out of cardboard
2: (laughs) uh and it and it's so ridiculous, but it seems so super villain. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ditko makes it part of the composition of every single panel it's in. There's always lightning bolts coming out of him that kind of extend that design mm-hmm. and really makes him just pop off the page. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh,
0: Electro, uh, the first thing we see him do uh, after charging himself up um, is... Uh, he uses his electrical powers to rob an armored car full of gold because <laughs>
1: Electro, he's he's setting his sights high. Yeah. And uh, but back at the Parker household, May is getting worse and she's taken to the hospital. So she's it's not just like, you know, she's got a some kind of infection. She's going to the hospital. So uh, when when Peter visits her after school, he finds that Betty Brant has already arrived. Yeah. So that's very nice of her, uh, but there's no time to walk her home after visiting hours because Peter's got to make some money to pay for May's operation. Um, unfortunately, a thunderstorm prevents him from being able to get any decent pictures with his crappy camera. <laughs> yes. So uh, it's but this is classic Peter Parker. He, uh, you know, he's he's got to make the money. There's there's some new real life circumstance that he has to get some money for. Yeah,
0: and as with Peter Parker and. Quite literally in this case, when it rains, it pours. Um, If one thing goes wrong, everything's going wrong for him. Um, So the next day at the Forest Hills Bank, uh, J. Jonah Jameson uh, is caught up in uh, Electro's robbery of the bank. Um, And during the robbery, Electro refers to Jonah by name. Uh, And shortly after the robbery, uh, Jonah sees Spider-Man nearby. Um, So he decides that Spider-Man must be Electro. um, (laughs) And in a spirit of... uh, you know,
2: being well, J. Jonah Jameson, being J.
0: Jonah Jameson, uh, he just prints that on the front page of the Daily Bugle and uh, just asserts it as a claim. He is the master of
2: fake news. Yes. So Peter then has run into the fact that he's going to need to raise a thousand dollars, which in today's cash is like what five million dollars, something like that. <laughs> so right, that's, that's, it's a estimation. medical bill. It would, yeah. be. It, right, would be right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he has to get the money somehow. Uh, asks Jonah for a loan. Jonah is, of course, not having it. (laughs) Uh, But he said, well, if you can bring me photographic evidence that Spider-Man is Electro, you're on. So uh, Peter sets out to frame himself.
1: And he does. He does quite well. (laughs) Uh, He stages some photos of himself as Spider-Man to make it look as if Spidey and Electro are the same person. Yeah, after getting into
0: a very, very short fight with Electro, um, where I don't even think it lasts an entire page, uh, and it ends with spider-man trying to grab electro and shocking himself unconscious and electro thinks he's killed him um he he thinks that he has just killed spider-man um he's slightly
1: sad (laughs) i didn't
2: mean to do that but it was his own fault yeah (laughs) he didn't give me a chance to explain the danger touching me well with him out of the way no single human is strong enough to challenge me yep he got over it pretty fast
0: (laughs) it's very uh, morally adaptable (laughs) so uh, when peter awakens um he stages the photos um he heads back to jameson Um, and despite knowing that what he's doing is wrong, he is selling fake photos, but he's selling them to a fake newsman. So, you know, that maybe, uh, takes the edge off a little bit. Uh, but he sells the photos to Jameson. I mean, he's, he's just so desperate for money. He needs to do this. There's not an
2: option for him. Um, so he makes the deal with the devil. This is not the last time he's going to fake photos yeah oh no it's well, not at the, all it's not the first time eventually it's so. going to come back to like make him lose his job yeah but uh yeah he uh he takes some photos
1: of a sandman fight in a recent issue too yeah. he just yep. threw sand and punched it yeah. uh <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh so so peter has to do some morally questionable things in order to get money to make sure aunt may is going to be okay yeah um but we get to fl- flash back to Electro's origin first, which for some reason I really liked. Uh oh yeah. He's he's a greedy electrical lineman <laughs> named Max <laughs> Dillon. Um and they illustrate this by uh there's another a coworker who's in in mortal peril up on a line and they're like, Can, you're the best guy. Can you go up there and help him? And he says, if you pay me a bonus. And he just sort of waits while this guy is in peril. So what you're saying is he's got the same origins as Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, he's a jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't make quite as much money as Doctor Strange. Yeah. But uh, he, so he, when he's up there, uh, an after this, he gets struck by lightning while he's up on a pole. So he's, so he's Doctor Strange meets the flash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he discovers that his body can now generate electrical current like a living generator. So uh he creates that awesome costume <laughs> and equipment to increase his power. Uh he and then he sets off on his life of crime.
0: So we now uh flash back to uh Peter at the hospital. Um and he stays there uh with Betty Brandt during May's operation. Um he's not Pursuing Electro at this point um, But Electro is uh, not staying still He uh, heads to the West Side House of Detention And breaks uh, the prisoners out of there um, Fortunately, May comes through the operation in good shape um, This frees up Peter uh, to head to the House of Detention um, And as he does so, uh, Betty is worried and disappointed uh, That he's taking off Because what she sees as Peter's love of danger Reminds her of someone else she once knew. Dun,
1: dun, dun. Yeah. So Spider-Man heads to the house of detention to confront Electro. Uh, Jameson sees Spider-Man entering and realizes that he was completely wrong. And now he's going to be a laughingstock. Because of Peter. Yeah, because Peter gave him these false photos. Yep uh spidey gears up with rubber boots and gloves and uses his scientific knowledge to counter electro's attacks which is pretty funny just seeing him with the the boots on (laughs) Uh, um finally spidey blasts him with a fire hose and causes him to short circuit so spidey removes electro's mask to try to reveal the secret identity but he has no idea who he is so he's fairly disappointed that it's not some magic reveal.
0: Yeah, which is one of my favorite little bits in this story. And there's a lot of story in this story. Um, but the fact that they they take a panel just to say it's like, and now we'll reveal the villain, some guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But this guy I never saw before. Right, right.
1: Peter. The <laughs> yeah. So uh,
0: so anyway, we uh, we wrap up the story. Back at the Daily Bugle, um, Jameson is absolutely livid at Peter Parker for selling him the fake pictures, uh, but. Peter offers Jonah pics of the Electro-Spidey fight for free to make up for it and all is forgiven. And I kind of like this exchange because, you know, Peter's obviously doing it to uh, make up for um, his ethical lapse uh, in selling the fake photo at the beginning. Uh, Whereas the last panel we see of Jonah, he's sort of like hunched over and cackling to himself, thinking, I'm robbing him. I'll make a fortune with his pictures, but I deserve it because he's a fool. (laughs) It's just like,
1: Man, you know. Just painting their, their moral differences. Yes.
0: Um, on the way out, um, Peter and Betty nearly have a fight over what Betty sees as Peter's reckless decisions, but uh, she winds up chasing after him and apologizes to him before he can apologize to her. Um, and I just love the last caption. And so two thoughtful, slightly confused young people walk off into the dusk, each groping for the right words to say, each feeling the first pangs of that emotion we call... Love <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: yeah it it well it is very tender there are yeah. these moments that uh that that really humanize Peter Parker, I think they're 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 really going down this path with him that they didn't go with the other characters with Fantastic Four or certainly not with Henry pym, yeah, uh so it it's i think they're they're doubling down on what what makes you love Peter,
0: yeah, I think so too. And uh, if you don't mind going straight into uh, panel of the month, my panel uh, comes straight from this issue and transitions really nicely from what we were just talking about. Nice. Let's do it. All right. So panel of the month. Um, So mine uh, comes from Amazing Spider-Man number nine, uh, page 13. And this is panel number eight. Um, uh, May is in the hospital. Peter Parker and Betty Brandt are sitting silently in the waiting room. Um, They are framed by the light shining through the window it's one of the only quiet moments in what is a very very busy issue and i actually think the like the peter betty relationship as it's budding here is it might be the most mature depiction of a romantic relationship that we have seen so far in any marvel comic like
1: <laughs> certainly more than than <laughs> what's happening with jane foster or what's happening with you know even sue yeah like uh,
0: i mean like sue and reed i think have a you know pretty strong relationship and you know and a lot of it resonates pretty well but i mean this is just like this is it's very tender it's very human it's very down to earth
2: yeah i think my panel pick is going to be uh, from the same issue on the next page like that last panel of betty looking away with her eyes closed and thinking about shh don't tell anyone her brother yeah <laughs> while peter's in the background saying like, i she's got some kind of secret i wish he could i mm-hmm. wish he could tell well he's got secrets of his own dude <laughs> yeah yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pot meat kettle
1: yeah for me i we talked about this at length already too but the uh mine was fantastic for number 23 page 22 panel eight if you count the little um panels that explain the solar wave uh (laughs) the melting room into space that the uh it's like the second depiction of it but it's also showing sue uh shooting her force field through the wall Mm -hmm. to hold doom so there was there's both this double whammy of sue helping them win again yep and uh and then this, this whole like crazy melting space room. It's so like yeah. so, Kirby. It was, I, I think I said, uh, it's got some shaky science, but awesome <laughs> kirby Uh, so it's stuck in my head all week. I couldn't get it out. Of, I read this right away after, uh, we recorded our last podcast yep. and this was the thing I couldn't shake. It was just so weird.
0: Yeah. An awesome pile of uh, Marvel comics this month. Um, I'm really, really happy uh, that we had a chance to sit down and talk with them, and I'm really glad that Douglas, you were able to join us. I'm
2: really glad I was able to too. Do you want to uh, tell folks about the special, extra, secret, bonus episode you've got coming up? Oh yes, we
0: do. So uh, as you're hearing this, if you're listening to it the day it came out, uh, this is the day before Halloween. Uh, why don't you come back uh, tomorrow and check your podcatcher because you might just uh, get a little Halloween treat from your friends here at Marvel by the Month. Um, Spooky. Yeah, and uh, you'll find out more about that in just about 24 hours. Douglas, do you want to uh, give that Patreon one more time?
2: Uh, it's patreon.com slash D o u g l a s w o l k. That is for the six one six society, which is the <laughs> secret private message board for Marvel nerds, where we're talking about one issue every day, not going chronologically, just going to the interesting stuff.
0: Yes, nice. uh, and it is. I highly, highly recommend it. It's a beautifully curated. Uh, it's it's a daily book club uh, for Marvel comics lovers, uh, and it honestly. It has exposed me to some really great stuff That I have not read before And I have read a lot of Marvel (laughs) comics So, uh, yeah, I I love that you're doing it uh, And I'm really happy to be a part of it
1: Yeah, I'll be in there um, If not tomorrow, then Friday Excellent Yeah.
0: Nice Um, So, yeah, uh, and as far as our housekeeping um, If you'd like to drop us a line Marvelbythemonth at gmail.com Is the way to do that um also hit up our instagram at marvel by the month and uh find us on the web at marvelbythemonth.com where you can find the rest of our social media channels that we don't love quite as much as instagram <laughs> um so that's it so until tomorrow i'm brian stratton and i'm rob bill and we will see you next day for a bonus episode <laughs> <laughs> good enough yep all right excellent <laughs>